Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And today, on my 43rd episode, I have University of Alberta graduating quarterback, Mr. Brad Lonhart. How's it going, Brad? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, kind of get to know you and, and talk about your football career. So let's uh, let's get it fired up here, Brad. And just to kind of start off, can you talk to my audience a little bit about uh, just your background, where you're from, growing up in your family, and maybe some sports you played as a youngster before getting into football? I uh, I grew up in Shrew Park, Alberta, so it's just outside Edmonton. So uh, I grew up playing lots of sports. I started with soccer, kind of basketball area i guess right before i got into football and then football kind of drove me to other aspects as well but i'm sure park's kind of close to edmonton so we were able to kind of play competitive stuff going back and forth um playing some good teams in edmonton my family was really into sports my dad was kind of i grew up going to edmonton eskimo games back when they were the eskimos and i'd run up and down the aisles i'd go catch the uh mini footballs take those to school the next day throw them around throw them with my dad in the backyard or or the parks around our area so he never played any organized sports, but they were always like really encouraging of me to try different things, do a bunch of different sports, and then would always help me out by going practicing with me, trying new things, that sort of stuff. So when did you start to play and what would be like your first football memory? So I started at age of seven, played contact football. We had Adam out here. I played for the Sure Park Broncos. My first memory from that year, that year we won tier one provincials. It was my first time playing nice. football. They had me out at field side, wide out, the guy that would just run into plays. <laughs> no blocking guy, don't worry about anything. The youngster on the team. So yeah. Um, but that was my first exposure. It was a lot of fun. We had a really good coach coach me later on in life as well. And yeah, we like we had a really, really successful team. And it's kind of interesting to look back at like some of the guys I played with and where they went to and like even just like some of them played, got drafted in the NHL. Some guys got cool. drafted in the CFL. So just kind of in a small town, like a lot of really good athletic talent that's really cool to have that much talent come out of one area right brad you talk about starting football at seven you're playing the the field side wide out get get wider get wider that's what the coach is saying <laughs> um <laughs> For sure. when did you then get into playing quarterback how did that happen it was actually my second year i uh i was one of the three returning guys on the team so now you have an eight-year-old that's only guys that has played football before so like hey you know what you're doing, you can come play quarterback. And I remember that second season was, it was a struggle to just even take a snap. And yeah. I was telling someone the other day, like you're fumbling every other snap, but that was kind of like my first exposure to it. And I had good coaches that knew a lot, but just kept stuck with me and were like, keep trying, like you got this, keep getting better each day. And obviously when you're Adam and Pee Wee, you kind of are playing a little bit of both sides of football. So I was playing quarterback, a little bit of DB, but kind of by my third year of Adam. And then as I kind of got into Pee Wee, I was kind of the quarterback. So they didn't want me getting hurt anywhere else. So probably since I was 10 years old, I've been almost strictly a quarterback and never really did any tackling drills, hoping that I never threw interceptions or just <laughs> shoelace tackle as they run by you to, to tackle. So I've kind of, since 10, I've been focused on quarterback or trying to get better and trying to perfect my mechanics, perfect that position, I guess. It's funny that you bring up the the tackling element of, or not tackling element of playing quarterback because we just started a, a spring camp out here, the high school I coach at Oak Park High School, and first day they had tackling circuit on, eh? and the 
head coach was saying to me, okay, you got extra indie time with your quarterbacks. And you know, I remember this is probably funny. I don't know if you, if you uh, ever watched the show Friday night lights, the TV show, but uh, the quarterback in the show, he ends up, he ends up getting injured and the parents end up suing the the head coach in the school because they didn't teach the, teach the kid how to tackle. So I made that joke and sure enough, I had the guys in tackling this week on Monday and Tuesday just to make sure they had the skills. But uh, yeah, that's kind of the benefit of being a quarterback. Yeah, nowadays you got to know how to do the safe contact. So I had to learn myself how to tackle after not yeah. being able to tackle. Right? So. <laughs> I would just jump on people. That's all I could do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back at it for second quarter action with Coach Geese and QB Brad Lonhart. So, Brad, I'd like to kind of talk about your high school career. You talked about being a youngster, playing community ball, playing Adam and Pee Wee and that sort of thing, playing some receiver, playing some quarterback. Uh, talk about your high school career. What school did you attend? What do you remember from that time? Who, who are some players and coaches, maybe mentors along that that path of playing high school that stick out to you? Yeah, so I played at FAC High School in Turf Park, so most people know that that's where Chuba Hubbard went to. Yeah. I was a little bit before him. I never played with him, but – there we had a really successful program. Like I think all three of my years we were in provincial semifinals each time. So we had a bunch of great athletes, great players. We just could never finish. I guess in the end we were we were always that one one step short. But I just remember from that experience, just I had a lot of good memories from high school. I know we had some great players, but just how bonded some of those teams were. Like some of those guys, even to this day, like I, I know them quite well and still really good friends with and hang out with. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would kind of be my memories from them. I mean, you kind of go to battle with guys each day and you kind of grow that bond. So um, they're my buddies through high school. They still are now. And on the field, you kind of remember some of the, the big games that you kind of play in. Like I remember playing against uh, AOB in a final where we, we were down 21 points and came back and ended up winning in regulation. And nice. you remember some of the heartbreak too. I remember in my grade 11 year, kind of being the young guy taking over and we're in the provincial semifinal and we're down one point and we needed, uh, uh, our, our kicker was out. So I'm like, we got to score a touchdown. And, you know, just being that young guy, sometimes you make those mistakes and throwing a pick kind of in that last seconds of the game and kind of costing your team. But I think that's kind of the thing about high school is like we sometimes it's, it's such a big deal, but we sometimes forget that it's such a learning experience for kids and it's about growing and developing and, it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to fail sometimes. So like I said, the friendships, some of the good moments, some of the bad, all of it kind of contributes to a positive experience overall when you look back on it. My favorite time was playing high school football. I just think there's nothing like it playing for your school and at that age. And like you said, all the growth that kind of comes from that. Um, So after your high school year, you get a cool chance. You get to play in the North versus South senior bowl. Talk, talk about that experience and what you recall from that. That was one of the only all-star teams, I guess, I ever made. So uh, it was a cool experience to kind of play with some people that I've never played for. Uh, we went down to Calgary to play and had a weekend where you got to hang out with your friends and make new friends and practice together. And then we play a game against a uh, South team then. But we were playing kind of at UFC, so that was my first experience of kind of playing in a big stadium. And, I mean, there wasn't much turnout, but it was a big stadium, and it was cool to play at McMahon. So sure. that was kind of my first memories from that. I mean, we got killed in that game. <laughs> we weren't very good, but it's kind of hard sometimes with those all-star teams yeah. to get one weekend to come together as a team, and you kind of hope that you have the right guys. And it just didn't work out, but, like, the experience of it all and getting to play in that stadium was pretty cool. 
Yeah, and you when we were talking off air, you kind of referenced some other quarterbacks and players that were playing in that game with you that were kind of really high level athletes. Can you kind of uh, mention any of those guys? I, I was kind of fortunate when I did when I was playing quarterback. We had a whole bunch of great athletes. I remember trying out for teams, and we had guys like Scott Pearson was the other quarterback on that team, and he was a U of A guy as well, and started out as quarterback and kind of shifted to the receiver near the end of his career. Okay. Uh, there's Taylor Armsworthy down in Calgary, and he went. I believe he went down to play Div 2 or Div 3 down in the States. There was Boston Rowe, who played in Calgary, had a really successful year as a line, or career as a linebacker there. One of the Hunchaks, I can't remember which one, but okay. Hunchak was the quarterback that was there. and I mean, he obviously went on and had a good career at York as well. So, yeah. like, there's... At that time, it was just a good group of quarterbacks that were in the area, so it was really tough to make kind of make some of those teams, but it also made the competition very, very good. Yeah, it sounds like the area was just loaded with, with talent of the position, so that's uh, that's tough. You know, how do you make your decision after high school? Did you go straight to playing junior? Did you go to university? What was kind of the process there? I ended up choosing to go right to U of A. I, I had the chance to work with uh, Rick Walters a, a year before with the Huskies and had me out at their spring camp and stuff, so he was kind of recruiting me to come play for them. And, you know, I really liked his system. I really liked the energy that he brought. And when he kind of shifted to go coach at U of A, he's like, you know what, I think like, this is a better spot for you. I'd love for you to come. So I went in there and I, I decided to go to U of A. And first year I was kind of the third string guy being young, but we had two experienced guys. And after two years, I just kind of, I had a rough off season and just like in terms of playing and stuff and mm-hmm. kind of fell down the depth chart and, university sports gets you where they bring in another guy and next yep. guy up kind of thing so uh, and a lot of those guys are still really good friends of mine like we had good relationships off the field and uh like it's just that competition piece so after two years they kind of said like hey we don't really see you getting some playing time here right away i think it'd be beneficial for you to go somewhere else so i went back down to huskies and and went there and ended up starting for three years there and it kind of worked out in the end. I was able to kind of grow and improve down there. In 2017, I was the offense coordinator for the Winnipeg Rifle, so I, I played against you. I remember you in that game. Um, but in 2016, you had a huge year. You set a bunch of records. You guys had a really successful season. Can you speak about uh, kind of kind of what records you broke there that year and, 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 you know, all the good things that happened that year for you? Yeah, that year was actually, funny enough, was Rick ended up coming back from U of A to Huskies as well, so we were kind of reunited. So. I think part of that contribution to success was just my familiarity with him and, and the offense that was there. And I think for me was like, when I was in high school, I, I was a really pocket passer kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I started to pick on track late in high school and, and that kind of just developed my speed. And I ended up turning into being a little bit more of a mobile quarterback and that kind of fit the mold for him. So that year we like, it was fun because Rick runs a great offense where there's lots of motion and movement yeah. and, getting the quarterback out so he kind of designed some plays where hey now we can get you out of the pocket rolling out or on the run or running some zone reads so I mean I think I like that year we like our offense we had a whole bunch of great receivers and running backs and I think our all-purpose yards were pretty crazy up there but I yeah. know like I threw for just over 2,000 and I think rushed for another 600 yards I so I think the the one thing I remember and the thing I take pride in is a little Edmonton rivalry is I think as as a person or myself, I outrushed the Edmonton Wildcats. So <laughs> as a team, so I gotta. I, I always like to plug that. I I have a lot of respect for those guys, but at the same time, I, it's that rivalry within me that yeah. you know I enjoy that part as well. Okay, so you go, you play for the Huskies. You have a lot of success uh, after your three years there. 
you uh, you end up going back to the U of A. But uh, do you think that your time spent in the PFC prepared you to play youth sports football? Do you think the competition level was high enough to kind of get you ready? Yeah, I think the big thing with junior is like guys actually get a chance to play. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of what I was missing was like, especially a quarterback, there's only one guy that gets to play. So right. going back and developing and now coming back, I, I have that opportunity to play, being a little bit older and having some some more experience. And then, like I said, like it was nice being in that system because I felt comfortable and I was able to kind of develop my game in different areas. I think especially like the PFC is one of the toughest or conferences to play in like yeah. especially Saskatoon's always been really good Regina always has a good team and then like at the Huskies we were struggling for a bit we got really good I think they've been pretty consistent lately and and then the other teams like Calgary Wildcats even the Rifles like they find a way to throw together like they have a tough tough job of recruiting some guys and yeah. they put together some really good teams sometimes and I think it's just trying to find that consistency and I think the Hilltops have found it. I think the Huskies hopefully have found it now. And um, that's kind of the, the thing is those two teams are really consistent and everyone can kind of find some pieces eventually and put together some really good good units. So I was just out today at uh, the Rifles exhibition game for their spring. They were playing St. Thomas University from uh, Minnesota. And, uh, you know, they, they took a pounding today. But um, like you said about kind of being able to, do, you know, the Calgary's, the Edmonton Wildcats, the Rifles kind of, being able to put teams together. I think really the key is keeping the players together for three, four, five years, right? Like that's what the Hilltops and the Huskies have over these other programs is they can kind of hold on to the players. They, the players don't necessarily leave after a couple of years to go somewhere else all the time. So I think, you know, obviously the older the ball players are on your team, the more 22 year olds you have on your team, the better you're going to be. Um, so I think that's, you know, Obviously, you guys at the Huskies had tremendous talent and success. Also, I just want to touch on the the no huddle offense. I really liked watching you guys orchestrate your offense. Can you can you speak on that and how fun that was for you to play in that style of offense? It, it was a lot of fun. I like I, again more the motion part was a lot of fun, and we could move pieces around. And the no huddle part allowed us to play quick. But it, we noticed as we got rolling, it just kind of started to get easier because the defense kind of wore down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of knew what packages they were going to be in because they couldn't sub with us, right? right? Like we were so efficient at getting guys on and off the field. And like you said, is like when we were older, we had guys that we had a fullback that could also play out in the slot mm-hmm. and teams didn't know how to adjust to it. Right. So right. we were like, that no huddle aspect makes it hard on teams to adjust and how they can play you. And, and that kind of allowed us to keep them in some basic sets or get tired kind of later in game. I completely agree. I think it kind of vanilla's out the defense, right? They kind of have to just play their base and you're going to, you're going to know the reactions based upon, you know, what you've seen on film or, or kind of what their tendencies are because they don't have much time to think and adjust on the fly. So practice fast and our defense learned how to practice fast. And then now all of our guys get way better at, thinking and processing processing things faster mm-hmm. and like you said the defenses aren't used to that so they might practice all week to be moving up and down the field but they don't have to think as fast as right we have to right so back at it with third quarter action with brad lonhart and coach geese so, Brad, you spend three years back at, at the Edmonton Huskies playing junior football, ripping it up, and then you have a decision to make in terms of what you're going to do moving forward. Uh, you end up going back to the U of A. Were there any other schools that, at that time that maybe you were interested in or were interested in you? And, and how did you make the decision to return back to the U of A? 
I think even my that 26 season, I had talked to a couple teams. Most teams were out east, kind of just how much years do you have left? Kind of what's your plan? And and then I pl- ended up playing my last year at Huskies. And after that, I kind of was close to finishing my degree. I was about a year or a year and a half away from finishing my degree. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of made sense to stay local. I had been kept going to classes at U of A. So I wanted to finish with my ed degree and make sure I got that done. And that kind of was the most sense for me. So yeah, I was able to go back and just extend my degree out a little bit longer. So I ended up graduating in 2019. I'd like for you to talk to my audience about your three or four years with the U of A uh, after playing junior there. Talk talk us through your career there. Maybe mention some of the bright spots, some of the memories, some of the players, that sort of thing. When I ended up going back in 2018, I started out backing up a guy, Brad Baker. And again, he was kind of around my age coming out from Raymond, Alberta. So I kind of knew him through there. And you know, he had a big arm and he was a good leader with that team, but the team kind of just didn't work out in 2018 and he ended up moving on. In 2019, I, I took over and I ended up starting at quarterback as well. That year, we had one of our more successful seasons. I think we started out four and one and had a lot of good things going on offense and defense. Our defense was exciting. They brought a lot of pressure and kind of trickled into playoffs, but it gave Saskatchewan a good run at playoffs and had a game where we had a chance to win it on the last play. So 2019 was our big year and it was pretty successful and looking back on it there's a lot of good moments and that one to me kind of stood out because when I first went to U of A back when I came out of high school they were struggling and to come back and be a big part of it to to uh, take them to playoffs and have kind of a 500 even record was a big deal for us and I remember like a lot of the credit goes to a guy Ben Kopzinski he was kind of my my go-to receiver that year and He's one guy that stands out to me was he was just such a strong leader and he was kind of we was talking with Rick the other day and we were talking just finding that one guy that no matter what the play is you know that you can find him and you can get him the ball and that was kind of my go-to guy was you know you're running your all hitches and we were playing Manitoba and they they knew it was coming and they're at six yards waiting for it and he just knows he's got to cut it short and I'm just putting it on him and he kind of made some big plays so that was one guy that like I was pretty lucky and fortunate enough to play with. I got a chance early on in my career to play with Ed Elnicki, who ended up winning the heck in 2017, I believe. And and then 2019, I was kind of ready. I got invited to the combine and COVID hit that next year yeah. and kind of derailed that. And I had it all set up that I was going to finish my degree. I was going to uh, take a take a year off of teaching and then get kind of finish my last year. But it kind of didn't work out. COVID hit and had to fight through that season. Kind of going back to what you said about your stud receiver and that sort of thing. It just kind of reminds me of something this week when I was working with my quarterbacks and going through some, just some boundary field reads on a couple quick game throws. And, you know, one of the things I said to the guys, I was like, Hey, this is the read of the play. Like we're reading the boundary corner on, on a smash concept, you know? Um, but like, ultimately, like, we got to throw the ball to our dudes, you know, like if you don't know what's going on, like I say this to the young guys, I'm like, okay, if you don't know what's happening, you got to throw it to our dudes. Right. And I think, you know, I think that speaks, uh, you know, to kind of what you were saying about, you know, having to go to your go-to guy and that sort of thing. So that's kind of neat. Um, But, you know, getting back to COVID, COVID obviously, you know, derailed everything. How did you handle that year off? And and what did you do in terms of, were you still training or was your mindset still to play football or, or did that kind of change based on the scenario? Like that was the hard part for me was do I keep going back and play another year? Like mm-hmm. at that point, I think I was seven years out of high school, still trying to find my university and finish it off. And like I said, it, that just in, during COVID, I graduated university and I had my ed degree. So I like when that happened, like I was fortunate enough, our team ran some training sessions outdoors. I kind of had access to a gym that like 
was owned by somebody that I knew that was kind of kept closed, but sure. you could get in and train. So I was kind of fortunate that way. But, and then like going into the next season, I decided that I had to go teach and start to make a little bit of money. And I couldn't keep living this university dream of <laughs> living at your parents' house and living rent free. So, uh, yeah, so I ended up, I ended up getting a job as a substitute teacher and worked a little bit during that and which made it tough for training. Like that was probably the hardest yeah. part was at the end of the day of working all day as a teacher. And then you go back and now it's, okay, now I got to go train. I got to go to the gym and drive all the way back to Edmonton to train. But I mean, that's part of the university lifestyle is you got to find a way to grind through it. And it's not always the fun, fun parts that you enjoy, but you got to make it work. And the guys that end up making it in university are the guys that have that determination and find a way to have the energy and to bring it and to get better each and every day. Just to kind of cap off the quarter here, Brad, let's let's finish off this quarter by talking about this past season, 2021. This was your last year playing. How did you do? How did your team do? What do you remember most about this past season? The 2021 season had its ups and downs for us, I think. Like, we were a very talented group. And again, we kind of finished 500. There's chances to to kind of win at the end of the season and finish 4-2, and two, but we just kind of couldn't pull it together. But I think I had an up and down season. I think... Like, like I said, that off season wasn't, wasn't my best effort, I guess, in, in working all day and trying to go. And, um, but I think for me, the memorable part was just, um, the cool thing was to kind of get to know some of the young guys and to mentor some of them. I was kind of at that stage in my career where it's like, now I got to pass on some of the knowledge that I've had and, and make sure some of the guys know how to run this system. I mean, Again, Rick came back and was part at U of A for my last two years. So in the total of my nine years, I think I had him as an OC for seven of them. Nice. So I kind of, I knew his system like the back of my hand. And like I said, it felt like there's a lot of young guys that were starting to figure it out and just making sure I passed along the knowledge. And I know there's a lot of guys that wanted to learn and, hey, why did you check to this play? What, what did you see here? And, and so that was kind of a cool thing for me was to, to mentor them and, and just get to know some of the young guys as well. Some of the some of the best guys I've played with are guys that were in their first year and that like usually the old guys, it's kind of, I was so far removed. You don't really connect with them, but <laughs> a lot of them looked up to me and, and I think I looked up to them and just the energy that they brought and the excitement and like the rejuvenation and that kind of brought me up in that, Hey, I got to find energy to be with these guys and to keep up with them. So not, not to rub the salt in the wound, but obviously your, your season ends here in Manitoba playing in a crazy snowstorm. Uh, talk about that day. I remember seeing how much snow there was and shoveling off the field, but uh, just the, the field conditions and, and just the way the game unfolded. Talk about that. I think the hard part for that was it was just kind of a waiting game. Are we playing? Are we not playing? Or like 20 more minutes? And then after 20 minutes, they're like, okay, hey, another 30 minutes. Yeah. And you were going out there being like, what's going on? Watching them clear the field. And it's still, they clear one one quarter of the field and it's, they go to move on to the next and it's right back to where it was. Yeah. So it was pretty crazy snowstorm. But when we ended up playing, they, we kind of came out and we just didn't have that, that fire. And uh, on offense, we go two and out and we were struggling to roll and kind of just left our defense in a bad spot. And in those field conditions, when you're not moving the ball and you're trying to punt it away and now you're, you don't, you're not going to get, no punter is going to punt it the same way as right. they do in plus 20 degrees weather. So uh, we kind of gave them the field position and then we're battling footing and stuff like that so sure. i mean hats off to them they took it to us and they found a way to make the most of those elements and we just weren't ready for it back at it for fourth quarter action with coach geese and 
QB Brad Lonhart. In 2016, QB coach J.C. Boyce, who's uh, you know really well known in North America as, as a as a really good quarterback coach, uh, biomechanic guy, he came to Winnipeg to run a football camp, and uh, somebody put us in touch with one another. I had been working with a lot of quarterbacks, but uh, didn't do anything formally in terms of running a business at that point. And uh, I helped him kind of get some bodies into the camp. And then he asked me to kind of come and observe the camp for a couple of days. So I was able to do that. It was uh, a really cool experience getting to meet him and kind of see how he coaches the guys and kind of his teaching process and that sort of thing. And uh, actually after, you know, being there with him for a couple of days was actually what sparked me to start my own business, Big Air Academy. And I've been running that since 2017. So you have been able to work with JC. You're working for Peak School Football. Um Talk about working with JC and what have you learned from working with him and, you know, kind of from a technical standpoint and maybe an overall coaching standpoint. I got a chance to work with JC when I was at U of A. He kind of came in and did some one-on-one training with us uh, as quarterbacks and I got to know him through there and the kind of connection that just continued through buddies of mine. But I think the big, I think the cool thing about quarterbacks that I've seen it kind of progress in the last 10 probably years or so. Mm-hmm. Like I remember being that young guy and, you know, Eli Manning, you know, swat or elbow your brother in the yep. nose, like flick the booger off your finger, like back to those basic stuff. And I think it's pretty crazy to me how some of those things have all changed I now, know. right? Like yep. we're quiet front shoulder now. We, we're coming through with our elbow ahead and it starts at our feet. So, like, I mean, a lot of my QB mechanic stuff and where I get it, like, I've learned a lot from JC. I've learned a lot from other guys as well. I've worked with Rob Williams out in Victoria as well. Yeah, he's um, awesome. So I've kind of combined my experience and working with some of those guys to to kind of make my own philosophy and what you, what do I think quarterbacks need. And mm-hmm. um, like I said, I think it's been cool like where it's progressed to and how much more we're learning about it, right? When I was working with JC, he was big on the arm path and upper body. And, and then more recently with, I think Rob's done a really good job of understanding how the lower body mechanics play such a role later on or early on to help the upper body. So kind of combining a few of those things, I think, I know JC's really hopped on with the lower body stuff and he teaches what he calls a foot pop and just planting that foot in the ground violently. And, and that's kind of what starts the torque and getting the lower body going. So yeah, like I think it's, it's pretty crazy where, where quarterback started. Like if I was the quarterback that I was back in, you know, we were talking Adam and TV and what I learned from there, yeah. like that was the way when you're young. But if I would have kept that, I would have nowhere near been kind of the quarterback I am and, and the quarterback coach I am. So kind of always learning and evolving and taking what you know from what you know and what other guys are kind of teaching out there. So a hundred percent, man, like a hundred percent. I think back to the way I was taught to play quarterback. You said it was kind of the old school mechanics of, you know, using your off arm to gain power, kind of like throwing a punch and really where the arm was leading the throw, not not your back hip, not getting the lower body involved as much that sort of thing. So I've also had to really change over the years. And I, I've been coaching basically since I stopped playing football, which is almost 20 years ago now. So like you said, the evolution of the quarterback mechanics has really improved. I know, like I, I said for a long time that like to different people, like I'm not a scientist, right? Like I don't have that biomechanics background of an experienced coaching, an experienced player. So trying to tie in some of those new mechanics into kind of the old school and blend it is kind of my approach as well. We do need to progress. And the more work that I spend watching elite level quarterbacks, you can see within their mechanics, how they're throwing the ball and how they're using, you know, their, their legs to get incorporated. And like you said, quiet front shoulder, 
you know, using your back hip to drive the ball, all that, all that sort of stuff. So how about like just for yourself, when you're coaching quarterbacks, what's your mindset when training quarterbacks? What are you hoping that they come away with at the end of the day when they work with you? I think the newer stuff that I've kind of incorporated, I think I want quarterbacks to stay fluid. I want them to be athletes still. Mm -hmm. So I, I think a big thing for me is working on feet. I think our feet kind of take us everywhere we need to be, whether it's a progression or whether you're throwing on the run. And then like, I, I think very, I, I was talking to JC a couple weekends ago. It's, it's the game seems to be either quick game. You're getting it out right away mm -hmm. or you're kind of making a play with your feet and you're finding a way to make an athletic throw. So I think for me is making sure that we're good with our drops. We're ready to throw. And if we need to, we have good flow and good, like strong mechanics at the top of our drop that we're able to get it out. And then just giving kids techniques or skills to be able to move in the pocket, either escape out if they need to. And I think kind of the interesting thing where we've gone is being off platform or not mm -hmm. having a platform to throw from anymore. Right. And mm -hmm. we still need to find a way to, like he's talked about the back hip. Like I still think we need to find a way to use our lower body and, and use our hips to fire that throw, yeah. but our feet might, might not be set anymore. Right now right. We're, we're moving we have to load into hip and get the ball out. And our arm is kind of just that, that lever that ends up putting the ball where it needs to go, but we still need to use that lower body. No, oh, I love it, man. I love the insight to that. Okay, just kind of switching gears here. Obviously, the NFL draft happened last week, last Thursday. My Pittsburgh Steelers selected Kenny Pickett with the 20th overall pick. I was happy with that. I felt like he was the best quarterback in the draft. I, I, was, I was pretty happy with that selection. But he was the only quarterback selected in the first round. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the draft at all, but uh, were you surprised that there was only one quarterback this year selected in the first round? Yeah, like I haven't followed a whole lot, but like the way football has gone is like the, the positions are built around quarterbacks. You look mm -hmm. at the last... The, the teams are built around quarterbacks last year you look in and there's like three or four guys that are going early on in that draft right yeah and there's so much hype around those guys and teams kind of look like hey we need to get a quarterback in and we need to build around them so i mean that's more what surprised me and and i haven't followed so much of like where guys are at and what level they're they're at but i think like just where the game's going you kind of always uh, even if you don't have the guy like trying to find somebody else that might be a diamond in the rough is kind of where I thought mm -hmm. the NFL was going and, and maybe you can steal some guys that way. I think uh, like doing some research on it. I think Kenny, Kenny seemed to be the most pro ready guy and ready to step in, which is the Steelers at picking up 20. Like they're ready to be in the, they're in the playoffs last year. Like they, yeah. they kind of need to be uh, moving forward and progressing. And it, it sounded like Kenny was the guy kind of guy that, you know what he's going to be. He's going to be that quarterback that can get you in the playoffs and can play really well and take care of the ball. But I think some of those guys later on, like I think uh, Riddler kind of excites me with how he yep. plays. Um, and I think Malik Willis is, is just a freak athlete. And right. kind of if you can kind of put it all together and find how the NFL works, I think those are some guys that could also be really good quarterbacks later on. But for them to fall to the third round mm -hmm. is, is kind of shocking to me that, nobody else is willing to, Hey, let's take a flyer on him, And maybe he works out. And I think, uh, lastly, it was just like the Steelers kind of have it a good spot where they have, uh, Trubisky there to back up or be the guy if, if, uh, Pickett's not ready. And I, th I think more teams are doing that. Even I, I know I'm a Dolphins fan and, uh, you know, Tua is, is our guy, but then you bring in Teddy Bridgewater to mm -hmm. kind of back him up. And he's kind of a more vet veteran guy that has had that experience where he can step in and play and, they bring in the CFL guy with Chris Traveler in there as well to run some packages. So yeah, um, like 
that that game is kind of developing where you need you need more than one quarterback, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think kind of to add to your point there, it's just unusual for teams not to reach for quarterbacks. And this year, this year, like you said, not uh, Malik Willis getting taken in the third round as the second quarterback. I thought that that definitely was strange and different than than years past. But uh, just to kind of add to Pickett, I think that with the Steelers, obviously him playing at Pitt, you know, living in that environment, you know, you know, playing out of that stadium, all those things, you know, bode well for him. They know that he can, you know, play in the weather and deal with that sort of stuff. So, and obviously they got to kind of see him, maybe not every day, but more on a regular basis than some of these other quarterbacks to to you know make their selection so I, I like it i hope he works out for us um brad just to end today i like to ask everybody this question but who is your favorite quarterback of all time and why like i said i'm a dolphins fan so my dad kind of preached on me that dan marino was nice. kind of the greatest of all time and I, I think that's kind of an old school pick but um just watching him and seeing some clips of him like how quick his release was and and how revolutionary he was and and getting the ball out and they were willing to air it out back in the eighties and mm-hmm. first guy to throw for 5,000 yards. And that stood for almost not 25 years or whatever it was. Yeah. Right. And I think like that's somebody I, I didn't grow up watching him. I think guys growing up and watching, I mean, we were pretty lucky with Tom Brady was a favorite of mine. I mean, I was 10 years old and my dad let me gamble in a, a football pill and he won me like a hundred bucks. So nice. I thought he was the greatest guy of all time then. And, <laughs> Uh, he's kind of kind of just kept getting better and and he's kind of we talked about the epitome of evolving with quarterbacking and yeah and he's kind of he's kind of that person that's done that right he's spent forever and and fixed his or not fixed but progressed his mechanics and aligned it up and mm-hmm. takes care of his body I think Peyton Manning is a guy that kind of reminds me of me I never thought I really had a strong arm but just kind of being methodical with where the ball needs to go and so those two guys are kind of the guys that I grew up watching and idolizing so those would be my picks for guys that were around my era, I guess. I always think about Dan Marino and, and the, the quote that, you know, the ball just comes up and out and, you know, he's really quick mechanically and, and quick release and just huge arm. And I, I always liked watching him and, you know, obviously Brady and Manning are, you know, two of the best ever. So those are great selections. Brad, I want to thank you for being on today with me and, and kind of talking ball, talking about your career. It's been awesome. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I appreciate the conversation and, yeah, I really appreciate you having me. I need to thank the audience who's listening. My uh, my dad was quite irritated with me last week that I forgot to mention the audience that's listening to me every week. So thank you to everybody that's tuning in. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to bring great guests and great quality here. But uh, again, Brad, thanks for being on. Appreciate it. And I uh, hope you have a great day. Take care. Thanks for having me.